Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. everybody it's brian and i have a guest on the program today john metzger john why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and give a give them a little taste of your background uh, thank you brian I'm, I'm happy to be here i'm john metzger i work for uh, ids georadar out of golden colorado um, i'm very fortunate in the fact that uh, i work from home uh, generally so i'm here in fishers indiana today and um, I've been in the mining sector, civil works business for about oh, going on 15 years um, from Indiana originally, uh, trained in photojournalism and journalism over the years and worked as a teacher, uh, entrepreneur, IT um, manager and in different roles in was introduced to mining in, in 2006, and that's pretty much been my home uh, since then. Oh, okay, fantastic. And uh, did, did you have any educational opportunities besides the journalism? That, that's interesting that you would make that big of a change. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. Uh, well, to be really frank, um, in mining specifically, um, on-site in-field practical experience I had from uh, 2006 through about 2014 um, with deployments that usually lasted between 20-30 days on site um, back home for a few days and then for the first several years in the business sector that we work in which is uh, radar monitoring this was a very new environment and uh, to this day there are almost well very few educational programs that have access to you know what we've done in the radar monitoring field in the last 10 years so it's a very dynamic area um, so every day was an education and i'm really fortunate to work at great sites for a number of the major mining companies and um, yeah together we we taught one another okay fantastic <laughs> So it, it almost didn't matter what your background was because it was a new thing to everybody. So it, it, it needed somebody with a inquisitive mind and somebody that could pay attention to detail, it sounds like. Yeah, I've probably been described that way and, and maybe otherwise um, to a fault. But uh, the key in, in what we do and going forward is actually having a general professional background and a passion for what you're doing, I think is um, a real value. And the substantive folks that uh, are already in place um, are our natural resources, you know, to engage with and, you know, in the end, they're our clients. Uh, so coming to them without a particular bias or, or viewpoint even at the technical level i think has been a big advantage 
Okay, I see. I see. And what what do, what is the service that your company offers to the mining companies? Well, IDS GeoRadar is uh, in, in North America. Like I said, we're in Golden, Colorado. It's part of IDS GeoRadar in Italy. Uh, they developed the uh, synthetic aperture radar uh, device, uh, IBIS as it's called, um, over a decade and more ago. And, and they manufacture that instrument, uh, do R&D in the sector, perform service and whatnot. So our company supports about 110 units now in North America. And we're part of the global organization, which has a uh, representative on almost every continent. And uh, we're at about 300 some uh, monitoring systems worldwide. Okay. Well, sounds like it's really taking, taking off. So what are, what are the, uh, what are the uses of your radar? What is it primarily used for? That's quite interesting, uh, Brian. In fact, the, it's, it's really simple. It's a safety device. Uh, the sector was uh, started actually in Australia through um, my former colleagues at Ground Probe, uh, whom I work for uh, here in North America for about seven years. Uh, they applied, you know, radar acquisition to um, terrestrial, in that sense, uh, mine wall structures and found a way to develop that into a system where users could benefit from continuous scanning and monitoring and tracking displacements. So they would have the potential to alert of impending uh, bench level or high wall failures. And <clears throat> it was immediately successful and through ground probes efforts and uh, then other companies like IDS who have uh, taken that initiative and, and made their own tools it's a pretty dynamic value-adding device, both for safety and engineering on mine site. Oh, okay. okay, fantastic. So, is it, is it a, a uh, omnidirectional device, or is it a uh, like points at a sector of the high wall, or? Sure. It actually. Well, so what we're doing is we're we're transmitting microwave from the sensor, which is on the. A trailer mounted use uh, unit um, for the most part and uh, there are two um, different types of systems uh, real beam systems which are the dish type um, from either uh, ground probe or right tech uh, those are the two manufacturers there and the rail based synthetic aperture units that ids pioneered uh, both send a signal out and receive that uh, many times over the scan area. Uh, the principal difference is the real beam systems track that beam uh, over the uh, elevation and azimuth uh, scan area, whereas the synthetic aperture systems can uh, basically receive data from the whole scan area at one time. So there's some different economies and advantages in, in one or the other. Um, the development of the synthetic aperture system was a real boost to the overall monitoring opportunity because it created a device that was much less uh, expensive and the service overhead was significantly lower. So we were able to access a completely new set of, of uh, users in the mining sector. Oh, okay. 
Well, I should, should probably point out to you, John, that you're avoiding this uh, winter weather that we're having in Denver. All the schools are closed down. I think this is our third day of snow, and it's supposed to start clearing up a little bit later today. But yeah, it's been a been a real mess. Well, I escaped yesterday. I actually was in Denver when the snow started falling. I flew in uh, on um, on Sunday night and um, had a very peaceful day at the office on Monday when most people had permission to stay home and I escaped yesterday yeah. before you got hit last night. So uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good for you, good for you. So I would imagine that your equipment has been able to accurately predict enough slope movement that uh, probably more than one mine has been able to make changes and um, avoid yeah, injuries or equipment loss. Would that be well, definitely. Um, it's a bit, <clears throat> to be honest, it's a bit humbling. Uh, in this business that the real a lot of the real stories you know don't see um you know the public eye so to speak i mean mine sites are i would say they're as dangerous as they are safe uh, i've not felt safer in a workplace than in any one particular mine uh, at the same time the scale of activities makes them you know just inherently dangerous but this radar monitoring opportunity, uh, both ground-based and from satellite that's available too, it offers the operators uh, just an incredible resource and applied consistently and well definitely has allowed mines to stay in production, um, has opened opportunities when they've had uh, K orders, for example, in the United States, where the mine might be closed due to a failure the regulator, uh, MSHA, is aware of how these devices work and usually ask, you know, where's your radar? Um, it took almost a decade to get to that point, but it is really almost a everyday occurrence at any medium and large scale mine in, in North America and almost on a global basis. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, obviously, any industry can use advances in safety systems, so this is... Uh... This is really great to, to know and to learn about. Um, oh, I mean, it's, it's been a great uh, career, so to speak, right? I mean, when you provide a role that benefits everyone and that's acknowledged by both your clients and in your day-to-day, -day, uh, it benefits all users and producers. They're able to produce safely, makes their products more affordable and in the end, you know, our regular everyday consumers who would never know even what we do, um, you know, see benefits. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Okay, yeah. No, I was just in uh, my annual safety training yesterday, the M-Shot training, and one of the things that usually occurs as we go through fatal grams uh, notices from M-Shot, people that have been killed on the job while mining, and it's it's interesting how often ground fault does come up in in the uh, fatal grams. It's it's still a thing that happens, and it's it's nice to hear of these technologies that can uh, reduce um, th those occurrences or the, the injuries, if not the wrong fault. 
Well, definitely. I mean, I, I see those also, and, and uh, we have a relationship with the Technical Center in Brewston, Pennsylvania. Um, for over four or five years, I've made visits there to share with them, you know, what these tools can do. And it is a sobering reality that, you know, we're just, whether it's our product or our, our colleagues and competitors, um, we're just not everywhere yet. Um, but the changes in the devices themselves, their affordability, uh, I believe are gonna get us there in the next, uh, I would say three years. Um, and then hopefully we can impact to where, you know, we can't ever say never, but we can get real close to a fatality from rockfall or um, material. Yeah, fantastic. So are you also pursuing some of the other uh, markets that would be in the same sector, like sand and gravel and cement and uh, aggregate and dimensional stone? That's a real challenge, um, but we are making efforts to do that. Um, on the system side, we have developed our Hydra uh, radar, which is now available in North America. It uses much of the same technology of our trailer-based units or more stationary units, but it's uh, portable to the level of a tripod-type installation. And we have done um, some uh, work already as demos this year with operations actually in Colorado uh, with some cement businesses. And there's a lot of interest in the quarry sector. Um, again, it comes down to economics um, with the Hydra and I think it's normal production and R&D cycle in the next two, three years. It should be something where you can almost, you know, like rent it at your rent -a center uh, or, your, or your mining um, equipment dealer and you can rent it for a week or a month or what have you easy enough that you can set it up at the work face so almost everybody could have the same technology available that's a that's one of our goals yeah okay okay oh, fantastic um so i was just looking at some statistics of mining operations uh, by value and let me, let me just mm -hmm. take one second to open a document here uh, it was really interesting to me that the uh, the number one and this is in 2015 uh, the number one commodity mined by value was coal uh, that was that was followed by crushed rock, then uh, and cement, and then industrial sand and gravel. So metals came in. Uh, uh, gold was in fifth place, sixth place, and and uh, copper was in fifth place. So uh, there's a lot of operations out there that are probably pretty good pursuits for your for your uh, product. Oh, definitely, man. I think the coal stories probably changed in terms of absolute volumes just with the energy shifts. But um, yeah, these these products again, whether ours or, or others, they can all be used uh, at, at any operating site. The um, with the aggregate folks, there's a lot of small and medium scale operations. Um, some of them 
Uh, very interestingly, a lot of that production is from like four, 10, maybe 20 person crews. Um, but there's just so many of them. So again, we have, we're, our aim is to get to a place where we can have them feel the same level of opportunity to be safe as, you know, like a large uh, open pit operation, whether it's in gold, copper, yeah, uh, or what have you. I think it will happen, but it's we've still got some work to do there. And you're right, coal has fallen off, but here's a fun fact of the day. Between 2015 and 2018, uh, copper in the U.S. is, sorry, coal in the U.S. has only dropped 25%. So there was still $750 million uh, worth of coal mined in the U.S. last year. So it's still a very large market. No, it's, a, it's amazing. Even here in, in you know, Indiana, uh, who knows, right, that, uh, um, you know, Bear Run on the border there with Illinois uh, produces about 9 to 10 million tons. Um, even most... Uh, Colleagues here, residents, neighbors, they don't even know that we still mine coal, but it's the largest operation east of the Mississippi. It's a Peabody operation. So as an industry, it's still very significant. Right. right. Okay. Okay. We're probably taking you down rabbit holes that you haven't, you didn't predict going down to, but it's always fun, that kind of thing. Oh, no problem. So, John, John, maybe you can tell the listeners of a particular project where uh, your devices really help to save the day? Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, I don't know if we have that many hours. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's unique. And um, again, I think my perspective is, is a little bit uh, unique as well in that I would say every place you can deploy, you have an opportunity to make a difference. And we learned this in the beginning, back in 2005 and six, when we brought this technology to the US, our first clients uh, were in um, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico. FMI was the first big client for Ground Probe. Um, they were the sole supplier in those days. Uh, Newmont Gold uh, in Nevada became, you know, kind of the next one, and then you know that just graduated into diamonds and whatnot. We've, we're in a little bit of everything, and uh, there's a couple significant events uh, in my career. I'll just say uh, that are personal to me, and and one is with uh, Newmont uh, at a site called <clears throat> Lone Tree. Mm -hmm. which was my first deployment as a quote-unquote miner with uh, fresh with my MSHAW certification yeah. and a half million dollar instrument that you point at the rock and you get <laughs> colors and squiggles and you say it's this and you got all these miners looking at you like you're from Venus or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and there's some salty types there and, and um, you know, if you work at a mine every day, that's clear. And when you don't, that's also clear. But they made me feel at home. And um, that operation was was uh, particularly interesting. It was a very narrow pit at the bottom. They had had a couple failures. They had uh, been under K orders from MSHA for a closure. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so they brought the radar in and um, the radar became a tool that not only allowed them to mine safely, uh, but how different staff at the site 
took that information was was amazing even to this day and it's a story that that uh, Newmont has, has never told um, and that the primary driver there was a guy from health and safety loss prevention which I didn't even know what that was you know mm -hmm. for a month or so yeah yeah, yeah his name was Dwayne and I was making these uh, little daily reports to keep things in order for myself and to share with the geotech who was there occasionally and Dwayne looked at that and he said this comes every day I said yeah I explained to him what the system did and all he said can I get a copy of that I said sure I just sent him by email they were informal I discovered you know in a matter of weeks he was using those with the uh, um, shifter groups of the shift operators the um, mine managers the operations folks and they were actually classifying the daily work uh, effort of both men and equipment drill positioning between their different sites in Nevada and all of this not solely based on this information but it was a great support to other information that they had from both geotechs and just operations so it became an immediate efficiency um, kind of like spark plug and um, they were able to operate that mine through a failure and closure uh, under MSHA supervision, you know, for an additional six to nine months, which they would have been shut down. Oh, that's and, fantastic. Yeah, and, and, and they were, you know, became like your best friends, like you had two, three hundred new best friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, it was at a real personal level, and I still think of that time. Um, it was in the very beginning of monitoring operations here in North America. And, um, you know, that's always stayed with me that no one knew what we were doing until we were doing it. But the way we did it and uh, what the output was, you know, created a real successful environment. That's definitely one. Um, secondly, for me, we have with IDS uh, GeoRadar, we have been able to get into the civil sector quite aggressively. Um, they allowed me that freedom. Um, and uh, with a lot of risk, but really high gain in terms of being able to help DOTs with road closures where traffic is being diverted hundreds of miles um, due to rockfall, even in Colorado there with CDOT um, in just a week or so ago in Oregon on I-5, we had a very successful acquisition event, I'll call it, where the, the data put in the hands of you know the professional geologists and engineers means that the public never really realizes a level of risk they might have been in uh, or it's averted completely um, so I don't have uh, maybe one or more that stands out they're all equally I think they've been satisfying to me but I think they've been the same value to the client and, and then to actually you know citizens in general on the civil sites whether it was highway one in california in 2017 when they had the big mud creek failure uh, we were deployed there with caltrans and were able to support their uh, more rapid i think uh, construction success in getting that road open so you know we opened the highway to millions of travelers i mean we saved five lives those kind of statements we just try to shy away from because it's really not us it's 
a part of what we do and our our users and clients. Okay, fantastic. Hey, John, before I forget, uh, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you or find out more about your company, uh, what what is a good email address for you, and what is your company website? Okay, uh, yes, I'm uh, John J O H N dot Metzger M E T Z G E R at IDS Geo Radar. That's all one word. IDS Geo Radar dot com. Um, the website is www.idsgeoradar.com. dot com. Um, we have a number of other instruments available, but if you select, you know, either civil or mining applications, uh, you'll be um, presented there with the tools that, that we use. I'm on LinkedIn uh, under uh, John Metzger. Um, I have a, uh, a Twitter feed I call uh, GeoTools. I think the address is uh, apptechmon because you have to come up with some funky thing for Twitter. Right, right. Um, but those are avenues where, um, you know, I've, amid, I've amassed something like 2,600 followers on LinkedIn of whom I know maybe a few hundred. And they're all, uh, for the most part, civil and mining centric professionals um, who share and appreciate what I try to share. And I share their um events, uh, occasions, uh, successes, challenges. Um, so those social media outlets, both on LinkedIn and AppTechMon or GeoTools, um, you can search for. Um, I'm available there and I, I try and share out, you know, um, sector, all sector related developments and activities through those outlets. Yeah, that's, that's great. I yeah, appreciate that, John. And I'll, I'll put your contact information in the show notes, if, if you can call my very brief description show notes anyway, so the, the listeners... No, that's great. I mean, this is a great opportunity. I really appreciate you having me on. I think it's a great service, uh, really valuable um, for other professionals to know you're not alone. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, not right. just the people that you work with, but... There's somebody down the street, around the corner, across the country that is doing some neat stuff that you know benefits you, and you can benefit others at the same time. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, John. And uh, maybe one more parting question, and sure. that is, what do you think about the future of space mining? That's really ironic that you uh, pose that you know in our kind of uh, pre-live comments but i actually have a little history there um i worked with a colleague uh many many years ago on a um, remote sensing project with the state department and his name is mark prado um he worked for darpa a long time ago and they it's got to be 30 40 years now they were actually launching an investigative operation called the Clementine mission with a very small uh, format profile, whatever they call it, uh, scale satellite to see if you could actually land on an asteroid and, and get something. And, and this is, uh, it has to be at least 30 years ago. And it was successful. You know, they built this thing and I think like somebody's storage shed or whatever it was, you know, 
there's a lot of stories to go along with that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I believe in it. I mean, we have done amazing things as a nation. We can do amazing things as a nation and as businesses here. Um, there's a role, I think, in accessing those resources out there. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Um, the advances we're making in, in autonomy here, I believe, are going to be definitely used. I, I think we're, I think we're within five years of an actual commercial uh, application and return. Um, how that scales and impacts, you know, mining operations here on Earth will be very interesting. But um, as consumers, you know, we're aggressive across the globe and the need for resources is is never ending. And, and a lot of smart, uh, you know, uh, men and women uh, are putting everything together to make this happen. I, I believe it's going to happen with, within our lifetime for sure. I, I, I would tend to agree with you. And, and there are a lot of resources out there besides just precious metals. There's some amazing things to be tapped into. Yeah, so I look it's part of our nature, right? We're, we've never been content, you know, as, uh, not to sound silly, but as Americans, we've never been content with just what we have. We, we want to make things more and better. And um, it's a natural environment. It is from what we know of what we come from and where we are right. in the universe, we right. want to know more. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's part of our sense of exploration. Right. And they'll need some radars out there too. So it's, <laughs> it, it could be a good market. I, I, I'd love to be able to, to visit a site out there somewhere. That would just be an amazing, uh, uh capstone, you know, to, to my career for there, sure. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, John, John, it's been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate you coming on the show. Is there any parting words you wanted to leave for our listeners? Well, again, just uh, thank you for the opportunity, and uh, I'm open to any question, any way I can help someone in this sector or allied sectors, either with information just on monitoring, how to be safer, how to make it affordable. Um, personally, that's that's my day-to-day -day goal is to have an impact, and, and I'm open to, to any questions and would also share any opportunities, you know, with other users um, and, and with, with you yourself, Brian. Oh, fantastic. Okay. John, well, I guess we will leave it there. I hope great. you have a great day out there as we are hunkering down under a blanket of snow here in Denver. I'll just be feeling really sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, great, John. Thank you so much. And, uh, Thanks, Brian. We'll be in touch. Okay, have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye-bye. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rocking.